0: This week's TribCast is sponsored by Texas Biomed, pioneers and shares scientific breakthroughs that protect our communities. Health starts with science. Health starts at Texas Biomed. Visit txbiomed.org for more. And Raise Your Hand Texas. No matter what an education voucher is called, the policy is the same. Vouchers divert public funds to private schools and vendors. Find out more at raiseyourhandtexas.org.
1: Hello, and welcome to this week's Texas Tribune Tripcast. My name is James Barragan, and I'm a politics reporter here at the Texas Tribune, filling in for managing editor Matthew Watkins, who's out this week. This week, we're very excited to have former White House Press Secretary Jen Saki on the show. Jen, very excited to have you.
2: Thank you, James. It's great to be here with you. I'm looking forward to coming to Texas tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're excited to have you. Uh, please let us know uh, your reviews of all the breakfast tacos. Uh,
2: <laughs> I need recommendations from you. I don't know if I then I'll give you reviews, but I need okay, a list right, of places right. to go and visit and must eat. Yes,
1: yeah, so we'll keep those offline so that we don't get the controversial uh, takes on Twitter. <laughs> fair uh, enough, we're fair very, enough. Very used to a them. follow up. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, let's just jump right in. Um, you know, obviously, the, the reason we have you on is you'll be here uh for south by southwest having a chat with chelsea handler on march 10th i believe that's right and then the other big thing coming up for you is the debut of your new show on msnbc in it, <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> your your show inside with jen saki which debuts march 19th and will be on sundays at noon exactly
2: uh, we're, we're debuting the weekends where march madness is really hot so <laughs> duh, but we figure people can kind of watch that while also watching the show uh that's our hope but yes we're looking forward to debuting on march 19th at noon
1: get some of jensaki's uh insight on uh, the bubble teams and who's gonna <laughs> make a big the, run.
2: The, i love the cinderella teams that's who i'm always rooting for but exactly
1: Okay, well, we'll chat more about that, but let's just jump right in. Um, oh, you know, one of the things that's obviously of interest to us is, you know, Texas and the Biden administration, really any federal administration, uh, we don't always have the best relationship. We're very independent. Our state government is here. Um, and obviously for us, uh, border security, immigration big issues. But there's also been disputes on things like health care, um, things like, um, you know, legalizing um, dreamers or folks who came to the country undocumented from your perspective, having worked in two administrations, um, most recently with the Biden administration, you know, how do you see the relationship between, uh, the federal government and our Republican dominated, uh, uh, state officials here in Texas?
2: Well, look, as you said, I worked for two presidents and two white houses. I don't think I ever thought I would say that when I was 20, but here we are. Um, And here's what I found. Yes, there were disagreements. There were also moments which you remember, and I know you guys covered, when President Biden and Governor Abbott worked together, right, related to the follow-up of the storms and recovery from storms. And those are moments where there is um, a symbiotic relationship between the federal government and state governments. I also think, though, I did work in two Democratic White Houses. I'm certainly not running away from that. And there are a range of issues, and some of them you mentioned, some of them you didn't, where the views or the uh, views of leaders in Texas is out of step, not just with the Biden White House, but with the country. I mean, if you look at for example the issue of abortion i know there's a big legal case now from a bunch a number of women who um who were seeking abortions and uh didn't know what to do didn't know what the exact parameters would be uh, the medical community has been outspoken on that 65% of the country thinks that some version of abortion should be legal that's a place where texas is a little bit out of whack not just with the biden administration but with uh the country i don't mean all of texans i mean some of the leaders you mentioned um but I think the, the two presidents that I worked for are people who, if you could find a way to work together to solve problems, they wanted to solve them. And um, there were moments where that did work with the current leadership in Texas as well. But I also don't think um, if you're out of whack with the country that's necessarily leading, that's just you having a race to, in some cases, the bottom, in my view, of, uh, on policies that you know, you're, are, you're out of whack on, to be honest.
1: Strategically, in terms of like communications, you know, uh, uh, border security was a huge one. I think is another one that you mentioned here, where sometimes I think folks in in Texas, uh, particularly uh, on your party side uh, of the aisle said, um, you know, we wish the Biden administration would respond a little bit more strongly uh, to some of these um, really big executive reaches that, for example, Governor Abbott was making to um, law, laws like the uh, restrictive abortion laws that our legislature passed. How did you all think about that stuff? And then also, um, you know, I imagine that there's some strategy here and, and maybe it was something that we were missing in, in the media. But, you know, how did you all think about that, about getting your message out on these issues that were so important to so many people?
2: So are you asking me about abortion or asking me about the border or I may I may not be understanding your question totally
1: on both of the issues, like when there are difficult issues uh, yeah. where where the state of Texas is pushing very, very hard. Um, how does, you know, someone who was in your position working for a Biden administration who clearly is on the other side of this, how do you think about responding to that when there is a lot of criticism?
2: I don't know that in the White House you're sitting, in any White House, you're sitting and looking to wait to respond to one governor of one state. Um, You're looking to, you're governing for the entire country, including people who voted for you including people who didn't vote for you. So, you know, the border is a a really important issue to state the obvious. I know it's something a lot of people in Texas feel and live every day. Uh, What people don't always pay attention to because it becomes so politicized is that there have been proposals, including by current President Joe Biden, to do something about the outdated immigration system, right? It doesn't mean you have to agree with every aspect of it. That's not the point. But in that proposal, which he put forward on his first day in office, he, he included a stronger border security. By the way, a wall is not going to keep any community safe, even for the people who support it. It needs to be updated. Um, he also included a pathway to citizenship for DREAMers. Uh, you know, there are lots of things and that was meant to be the basis of discussion. I think the way that government works um, and this is my view from having worked in it in 20 years is when people find places to find common ground to solve problems. Right. Not just uh, politicizing issues and refusing to even have a conversation about it. So when you're sitting in a White House and for the two presidents I worked for. You're always looking for those moments to try to solve problems, not because the perfect cannot be the enemy of the good shouldn't be the enemy of the good. Um, and that's that's when governing works. And sometimes governing doesn't work, as we all, as we all know.
1: Yeah. You know, something that I, I was just thinking about while you were responding is that um sometimes i think about this too where like in the media landscape that we are in now where it's just like 24 7 and it's not just 24 7 i think maybe it's changed even from like when you were working for the obama white house to yeah. now like twitter is like so important social media yeah. all those little sound clips it's not just on 24 7 cable news uh which you'll be working in now uh yeah. but it's also like having to you know deal with the 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 twitter and the sound bites of it all you had some pretty famous famous battles with Peter Ducey of Fox News, uh, everybody, uh, you know, either loved or hated your socky bombs. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, um, how do you think of uh, just the media landscape now? And is it harder um, to get um, not just like the messaging, which obviously was a big part of your, your last job, but also to just get people to understand, like, here is what the government is actually doing in the face sometimes of, of misinformation?
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I can tell you from when I was in my last job as the White House press secretary that my view of that job or being in that room every day was, um, you can't do that job if you don't respect and value the role of journalism and reporters. Otherwise, you would hate your job every day. And I didn't. And I certainly did and do. And and now I work with journalists and reporters every single day working here at MSNBC. Um, but also to kind of get to your, I think the core of your point there is that there has been. allowing for uh, misinformation and disinformation, um, including in the White House briefing room during the Trump administration, including at times on certain cable news networks um, that allow that disinformation to travel and flow. Um, And my view is that you need to call it out when you see it. Um, My battles with Peter Ducey, who, by the way, I had a very good relationship with behind the scenes, (laughs) were not about... um, trying to fisticuff with him. It was about calling out disinformation or information that was lacking context, not just from him, from other people in the room. I think that is hard to do in this environment sometimes because sometimes you could spend your whole day or your whole interview, like, you know, um, uh, track, cracking down on disinformation, that's, that's super useful, but I, I'm of the view you have to nip it in the bud uh, kind of when you see it um, and um, but the challenge, and this is a big question, so is that there are different platforms where there are different rules for how dis- disinformation is, um, what, what, what the consequences are for it. If you at the Texas Tribune, right, printed something that was inaccurate, wildly inaccurate, which I'm sure you wouldn't do or would never intentionally do, of course, you'd have to issue a correction, right? If a local news station um, airs an ad, not to their own fault, but by a candidate that's inaccurate about another candidate, guess what happens? The other candidate calls them, and if, it, if it's inaccurate, it gets pulled off the air. Social media platforms have the freedom to share disinformation, all of this, all the time, and there's no real rules there. So that's kind of part of the problem, um, and you know, one of the things I think Washington will hopefully at some point grapple with.
1: Yeah. Can you give us talk a little bit about your relationship there with Peter Ducey, And I think sometimes uh, maybe, you know, you know, I think the audience loves to see a combative Jen <laughs> telling like Peter Ducey, uh, sit down, Peter Ducey," or something like that. But what, what was it like, the relationships, um, even with the rest of the White House press corps? Um, managing that because obviously um, you have a job that you want to do in, ter- in terms of getting the messaging out for the administration when you were in that role, um, and the reporters have their job to do. Um, talk to me a little bit about like the relationship there, and sort of what what do good relationships look like, and what do mm-hmm. bad relationships look like, and what's the best what's in the best interest, I guess, of the public there.
2: Well, I mean, the best in interest of the public is knowing the truth and knowing facts and having accurate information and um yes there are different objectives that the white house reporters have it is you know they always want more information they always want more time with the candidate that's their job right that's their job and i always respected that that was their job and they were going to push as they should my job was to provide the public with an understanding uh, at that time of what president biden and what people in the administration were doing Uh, but everybody's collective goal Is it's thought of often as different, it's not really. Um, when it's when you're doing it right, is to inform and educate the public on what's going on and why. Um, and you know, that's it's interesting because I've also spent a lot of time working on national security issues. I was at the State Department for a couple of years as a spokesperson there. We forget in a lot of countries like Russia, China, there is no free press, right? It doesn't exist. So, these this back and forth, whether it was with Peter Ducey or anyone else in the White House briefing room, that's actually democracy working. That's democracy happening. That is the media and the press pushing, asking for more information. It wasn't just Peter Ducey who was asking me questions that were hard, by the way. It was lots of outlets um, asking me hard questions or difficult questions or different questions every day. That's good. Um, And that's something that's valuable. So it's also true, though, just to go back to social media, that it kind of tells you how divided society is when um, Peter Ducey and I would have a back and forth about whatever the issue was. um, And some people on the right would say, Peter got her. He, you know, slammed her against whatever. He got her. He really, you know, made her point, made his point clear. And then people on the left would say, she got him. She put him in his place that tells you a lot about kind of how divided social media is. Um, And, you know, there's an unhealthy aspect of that in the public discourse to state the obvious.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, because I'm sure you were getting very difficult questions as well from the New York Times, from the Associated Press, from NBC. Yeah, listen,
2: there were some New York Times, uh, truthfully, you could watch Fox News, and I could get a sense of what question they may ask that day. Not the one question, but like, you know, they would cover a series of things, right? Um, And so it was either going to be about the border or something about COVID origins, depending on what they were covering. Um, When I would see um, David Sanger or Peter Baker in the chair in there, or now my colleagues here, Kristen (laughs) Welker, I mean, you know, Phil Mattingly from CNN, who knows more about Congress than I think members of Congress know. <laughs> there are people who are informed and deeply engaged in their beat and their thing they're covering. Those were the people who ask the harder questions, the harder questions to answer.
1: Yeah. Uh. One final thing before we segue into talking a little bit more about your show. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we're sort of talking about, too, is um, that I think another thing that maybe hasn't changed, but is maybe more pronounced is the presence of more partisan outlets um than and than maybe when you began your career in communications. Yeah. Um and and the, exactly what you're talking about, that people are so siloed. Um, how did you a- approach approach that where there just are so many people who are just reading, you know, not that Breitbart, you, you know, is is writing a whole lot of um well, I guess they do write a lot about the White House, uh, but we can have a hell
2: of a fact checking extravaganza. with some <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: of Yeah,
1: when people are just reading um, an outlet like like that or, or specifically partisan outlets, you know, wh- what does that do to, to, you know, how the public understands? And I mean, it certainly makes, I guess, your job harder for people to like actually understand the facts.
2: Look, yes, your previous job because because, and just to go back, the majority of reporters um, covering the White House or covering other outlets. I mean, I've been in this town working in versions of this business for 20 years, are doing it because they want to do it for the public good and they want to provide accurate information and inform people. There are some bad apples in the bunch, right? Who are not doing it for that purpose. And when we followed the Trump administration in, when I was in, at the Biden White House, one of our one, almost the most valuable contribution I could make is to try to restore some of the trust people had in institutions. And that meant not just the White House, that meant also media organizations meeting. There is good questions are hard questions are good. That's healthy. Push me on questions, push me on things. Sometimes I'm not gonna have great answers and I have to acknowledge that. But when people started sharing inaccurate, misleading information in there, I would call it out because people should have been able to watch the briefing and feel like they were getting accurate information. And most of the reporters in there were trying to get to the bottom to do exactly that. But it's not allowing that room to be a forum for propaganda, because that's what happens in China, Russia, and at moments during the Trump administration in that room as well.
1: Okay, let's take a break uh, for a word from our
0: sponsors. Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, delivering quality healthcare to underserved areas throughout Texas by expanding vital telehealth services. Learn more at telehealthfortexas.com and water grows. There's a tremendous gap in understanding between where and how food is produced and today's consumers. Water Grows aims to connect influencers and decision makers with the farmers that grow their food and help rural economies thrive. Visit watergrows.org to learn more.
1: And we're back. And Jen, I wanted to talk to you about uh, your new show on MSNBC. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what you Um, are hoping to do with the show? What If if people are going to be tuning in uh, Sundays at noon, what should they expect to see? What are you trying to bring that's different?
2: Well, it's called Inside with Jen and it's called that because we want to bring people inside a range of issues. I mean, I spent 20 years uh, working not just in the White House, but also on campaign buses and sitting in the Situation Room. And I'm a believer that people want more information. They want to know what's actually happening. So I want to share that with them, both from my perspective, but from the people that I'm going to bring on. The other piece as we were talking about what the show is going to be. And to your point, what makes it different is that one of the things that I observed or know from spending 20 years in D.C. and in politics and on campaigns is that a lot of public officials are caricatured. People think of them shorthand, who they are and what they're about and why they're in it. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to work for two presidents, for a secretary of state, lots of people running for office, many, many, many people running for office. And I always have found there's so much more to people than people see, either what they like to do, their families, um, their hobbies, what drove them to get involved. So the other thing we're going to do is bring people inside people's lives and uh we're doing that through something we're calling weekend routine where we are spending time with people doing things they like to do their coffee shops their uh you know maybe it's a vinyl record store they like to go to or we did we have already taped one in a vinyl record store because that kind of thing about public officials democrats yes but republicans too and who they are and what motivates them is something that I think if you haven't worked around them a lot, you don't get to see. So that's what I'm looking forward to bringing uh, forward to. I also do have a penchant and love for calling BS on things. So, you know, we'll have some, a a, a healthy sprinkle of that as well.
1: Some sake bombs come in as well. Yeah,
2: some version, exactly.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I think that's so interesting in terms of, uh, it is another way to get people to open up. Sometimes I think you're so right about the character. Um, you know, we've got, you know, covering folks at the legislature, we've got people who run marathons, do our yes. stuff. And when you get them or people who talking about March Madness love college hoops. And when you get them talking about that, like they just will go on forever and it just builds a yes. nice rapport, but it tells yes. you something different about like what makes that person tick.
2: Yeah. Um, that's exactly right. Um, and that, you know, I, I'm a believer. I come at this. I'm probably like a, an optimist in my soul here that I think most public officials do it and get involved and work in government, whether that's state government or federal government, because they want to make the world a better place and because they want to make change happen. doesn't mean I always agree with them, but that's OK. You know, and I think bringing to light a little bit of that, of who these people are, I think is important because there's been such destruction of a lot of the institutions that are actually important to making people's lives better and protecting them. And hopefully we can bring a little bit of that to light.
1: And I, I saw in uh, reading up for this interview that you um, you want to have Republican officials on the show. Um, so talk to me about how you're going to go about doing that. Obviously, Obviously, you, you come from democratic politics. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you go about convincing folks uh, to do that? Do you think they'll they'll still come on? Do you think uh, they'll feel like you'll give them a fair shake? <laughs> talk to me. Talk me through that.
2: I hope so. Um, look, I, um, you know, again, I, I think there are a lot of interesting debates and discussions to have about a range of policy issues that are hard, that don't have easy answers. And I think there are lots of people who have different ideas about that. I also think, having a better understanding of the human beings that these people are is important. And I think I can bring that hopefully to light, but I don't know if they'll come on, we'll see. I'm gonna invite uh, you know, governors and mayors and uh, members of Congress on and we can have a discussion. Maybe we have a debate, uh, maybe I push them, maybe they push me, but I, I think again, that's a healthy part of democracy. And I'm a believer you can have these conversations, you can disagree without being disagreeable, right? And we've kind of moved away in some ways about having a lot of these debates or discussions that are central to people's lives. And it has become, uh, you know, a little like name calling nasty business. And I don't think it has to be that. So um, you know, you're, you you prove not by what you say, by what, but by what you do. So maybe that some people kind of have to watch and see how the show is and that's okay, but we'll certainly be um, inviting some people on uh, some Republicans on uh, as well as uh, many Democrats too.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, I think, I think one of the things like, for example, one of the issues like healthcare, which is a super important one and one that is like very, it, it brings up a lot of like emotions in people, but that yeah. at its core is a policy, policy question. And then, yeah. you know, Republicans are on one side of it, Democrats are on another side of it. But it can just be a, a policy debate. It doesn't need to, to your point, like get nasty. And I think I'm, I'm curious to see how you navigate that. Uh, because it can just be that, hey, we just have different opinions. And like, let's have it out for the public and see what the public thinks, right?
2: Sure, that that's ultimately what it is. Anyway. Now, I also think that there are some debates that have become um, uh, you know, every, th- that had become from, from some, from, from the Republicans, I had some, where it has become kind of an argument based on morality. When I think morality is actually the opposite. Right. And so I don't know that we'll have that. We'll see who will come on and who we'll have these discussions with. But for me, there are things that, for example, who you love and who you are to me is not a, up for, should not be really up for debate, right? Who people want to marry, should be up to them. Um, who people are and who their kids are and what decisions they wanna make together should be up to them. I, I'd be happy to have that debate with somebody, but I also think that to me is a little different from debates about um, budget or cuts or you know solutions to some of the challenges and issues we're facing. There are lots of different things floating out there on immigration. We should have a discussion about that. And I think people should come to the table and discuss it. But, um, you know, I think to me, I will also my point here is I will also be transparent about the things that I that I have strong views on, Um, which I'm not exactly I don't exactly keep secrets about that sort of thing. But I think it's important to be transparent, too, and create a forum where people know you're not kind of uh, coming at people pretending to be something you're not.
1: Yeah, I feel we're getting a good flavor for what the show is going to look like. Uh, one, uh, one other issue that I sort of wanted to bring up with you, since you're talking about the issue of transparency, obviously, you're not the first White House communicator to move over to TV. Or from it. Yeah, I mean George Stephanopoulos when he did it, it was a huge deal. Uh, but you know, Kay- Kaylee McEnany, I think has a show. Sarah Huckabee Sanders had a show. Um, so so it's it's a it's a long line uh, of people. Dana who,
2: Perino. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly, people. Dana Perino, right? Have, have they've moved to doing that? And it's become, I think, more socially acceptable. Um, but how do you plan on on tackling that? I mean, there's the question of like you will be covering politics. You could yeah. be covering issues that um, you may disagree or agree with your old boss on. So how do you plan to handle that and and, and talking to the public as well?
2: I got a really good piece of advice um, from on this um, from one of those predecessors, which was um, convey, one, you can provide insight of how a place like the White House works from having lived there and worked there, um, but also the best thing I can do is is convey to people what I would say and what kind of advice I would give if I were working there currently, right? So, you know, if I were working in the White House at um, a moment like this, what kind of advice would I be giving to President Biden? Uh, what kind of advice would I be giving to Vice President Harris? The other thing is, it is a, it is a net benefit, I think, I hope, to viewers that I know a lot of the people working in government, I know how they think, I know how they operate, and I know a lot of them. So to be able to provide insights on that from talking to them and conveying, I spoke with this person, I spoke with the White House, I spoke with this person at the Department of Homeland Security, that's also providing insight to the viewers. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're gonna be judged, as I already said, by kind of what you do, not what you commit, you say you're gonna do. Uh, But my hope is that my experience from being at all these tables and knowing all these people and and being able to call out when something is is right in terms of how it's being analyzed or not is hopefully a net benefit to the viewers and that's ultimately the point
1: that's interesting so you're saying you know you're not you're not going to be afraid to press and, and say hey i i did that job so you know what you're feeding me right now i don't necessarily think that's the right thing well,
2: <laughs> you look i think there are sometimes where you say well, here's what the White House is saying. And I've asked them for further clarification and they were even tight-lipped with me, right? Uh, But here's what's difficult in a White House in a moment like this. You really can't share this because of this reason. You're kind of balancing trying to keep negotiations quiet it's trying to provide what I'm what I would hope I will be able to do is to provide insight and understanding to viewers on why decisions are being made, how they're being made, who the players are in making the decisions, why something seems messy on the outside. Because believe me, the sausage making internally is always messier than the outside sausage making. But <laughs> I've lived through a lot of that. And I understand how as much as I've lived in Washington on and off for 20 years, I've actually spent most of my career on political campaigns around the country or traveling the world with John Kerry. And Washington speak, as you, as I think you probably agree with, is kind of insane sometimes. Like people speak in of weird jargon and acronyms that is not accessible or English. I do not speak that way. But translating that and being the person who's going to kind of do the homework on like what's really happening here. And like, let me explain to you what's happening under the surface on my best days. That's what I hope I can do.
1: And really quickly here, uh, just to finish things off, can you talk to me a little bit about your event at South by Southwest? Yes. What's that conversation going to be like?
2: I mean, are there more interesting women out there than Chelsea Handler? (laughs) I'm so excited to talk to her. I have like a list of like 60 questions and we're not going to get to all of those. And for anyone listening right now who wants to DM me on Twitter or has suggestions, uh, send me your questions too. Um, But I think she's so fascinating for a couple of reasons. She is authentically herself and who she is. And I am always drawn to people like that. She has been extremely vocal and I'm a mother of two kids. I've been wiping butts for seven and a half years. So like I, it's a lot, I love my children deeply but she's been very vocal about her choice not to have kids and why. And we're gonna talk about that or I hope to talk about that. Um, she also just was a guest host of The Daily Show and she's had a lot to say about uh, a range of crazy right-wing wackadoos. I'm sure we will talk about that too. There's been a few things in the news about Fox lately. I'm sure we'll talk about that (laughs) and the lawsuit. But what I love about her is that she's not afraid to authentically be who she is. And she's even been vocal about how she wants to be the host of The Daily Show. And I have found, as a woman rising through a business that is also kind of pretty male dominated, just like I think being a comedian is, people often don't say out loud what they want to do. And I think that's a really cool thing. So... I have a lot of questions. I'm so excited to talk to her about everything happening in the news and the world and the right-wing uh, but also her own personal journey too.
1: Great. And that is again, March 10th at South by Southwest, Jen Saki and Chelsea Handler at 2.30. Jen Saki's new show, Inside with Jen Saki on MSNBC debuts on March 19th, Sundays at noon. Jen, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate thank it. Thank
2: you. I love talking to you thank you you yeah (laughs) that's gonna
1: wrap it for the this week's texas tribune tripcast thank you so much to our sponsors texas biomed raise your hand texas texas tech university health sciences center and water grows thank you so much and we'll uh talk to you next week (laughs)
0: Get ready for TribFest, the Tribune's multi-day Politics and Policy Festival, returns to downtown Austin this fall, September 21st through the 23rd. More info at festival.texastribune.org.